One of the most popular slogans in the climate debate says that the underlying science is not only settled, it's simple. I'm John Robson for the Climate Discussion Nexus, and this is a fact check video on the simple physics slogan. Al Gore called it high school physics. NASA shows cartoons of a greenhouse to explain how the process works. The National Geographic magazine explains it this way. The more greenhouse gases concentrate in the atmosphere, the more heat gets locked up in the molecules. And kids go on TV to explain it to Donald Trump. Gosh, it looks so simple even a Twitter troll could understand it. Greenhouse gases warm the atmosphere like the walls of a greenhouse and the heat gets locked up into the molecules. Wait, how does heat get locked in molecules? And if it's high school physics, why are climate models so complex? And why does it take thousands of scientists to study the subject? The answer is, it's not simple. That's just another empty slogan. At this point, in a traditional video about global warming, we'd start with our own cartoons. We'd show sunlight coming down and warming up the Earth, and then we'd show the heat going up into the air and a bunch of it getting back out through the blanket of greenhouse gases. And we'd show you cute pictures of snowmen waving or happy polar bears or something. But we're going to do something very different. Instead of drawing a cartoon, I'm going to ask a physicist to explain what greenhouse gases do and not to dumb it down. I'm going to ask what is actually going on at the molecular level and how that affects the air temperature in the atmosphere. And I'm going to insist to use the proper scientific terminology, even if it means it's hard to understand. Let's see what happens when we look at textbooks, not comic books. William Van Wingarden is a professor of physics at York University in Canada. He's an expert on all things to do with temperature. He's made detailed studies of the physics of energy at the molecular level. He's shown how to cool down atoms to near-absolute zero using lasers. He's also an expert on the climate system at the macro level, having published many studies of temperature and precipitation changes around the world. So the first question you want to ask is, suppose there was no CO2, no greenhouse gases in, uh, in the Earth's atmosphere, what would happen? Well, you'd have the surface that would absorb sunlight, and that would radiate heat to space. And uh, the heat that is emitted from the surface would just go unimpeded to space, so basically there's no blanket. Uh, so then it would be a lot colder than it is with greenhouse gases. Now, if you have an atmosphere with gases like CO2, and it isn't just CO2, but water vapor, that's the big greenhouse gas that people should talk about more. It's water vapor, uh, CO2, uh, ozone, N2O, and methane. Those are the five uh, big uh, naturally occurring greenhouse gases. If you have, say, a photon or some heat, it goes up, it gets absorbed by one of those molecules. Well, if that molecule has absorbed that, uh, that heat, it will re-radiate it, but it will re-radiate it in general in any direction. So some of the heat will come back down and some will come back up. So 
it's a bit difficult for that uh, infrared radiation to just go out into space. Its uh, trip to space is going to be slowed down, and in being slowed down, it turns out that results in the, uh, the heating of their surface. First consider, uh, you have to ask yourselves, what are the transitions where you can absorb uh, these uh, infrared light or heat? And uh, by considering these five molecules, uh, water vapor, or H2O, CO2, ozone, N2O, and methane, we've considered several hundred thousand different transitions. So that's one, just getting that data. Now, um, there are libraries available where people have measured the frequencies and how strongly each of those frequencies uh, is absorbed. So that's step one. Uh, step two, you have to know what's the concentration of each of those uh, molecules with altitude. So there you also rely on observations. Step three is we need to know what's the temperature uh, versus altitude. Uh, so there's these standard uh, temperature profiles that are also based on observation. And then you have to calculate uh, for each of those frequencies, how each of those, say, 200,000 transitions absorb your uh, different uh, frequencies of light. And you have to do that at every altitude. So that's, uh, that's pretty involved. If you look at the uh, greenhouse effect, the amount of warming, that depends logarithmically on CO2 concentration. So if I increase the CO2 concentration from 400 to 800 parts per million and get, say, a temperature increase of, say, one degree C, to get an additional one degree C warming on top of that, I can't go from 800 to 1200. I have to go from 800 to 1600 parts per million. So it goes logarithmically, and that's accepted by everyone. Well, what we've done in our work is we just consider those five gases. We see what happens if we double CO2, double methane, double N2O, and have about a 6% increase of water vapor, which corresponds to about a one degree C increase. Uh, we find then that uh, the temperature increase due to all those doublings is about one to one and a half degrees C. That's far below what many of those uh, Armageddon folks like to talk about. The big uncertainty is water vapor and especially clouds. And people don't know what clouds do. If you have clouds uh, during the uh, day, they block the sunlight and things cool down. If you have clouds at night, they're going to trap heat and the temperatures stay warmer. So are we going to have more clouds, fewer clouds? We just don't know. First of all, uh, there are a lot of things we don't know. We don't know how to model ocean currents very well. Convection is extremely difficult to model. You're dealing with a turbulent process. The equations are very complicated. No one can model that very well. So that's why we have focused on radiation. Right now, we are unable to uh, you know, make a prediction of how uh, uh, turbulence and those uh, fluid equations, how that uh, behaves. That's just too hard for us to model. Uh, 
And uh, even if we get uh, much, much faster computers, that's going to remain a very, very tough problem. Some basic physics that even isn't very well understood. For example, that people like to talk about when you calculate the absorption of these different wavelengths, they say, okay, you have all these different lines for CO2, H2O, etc. So then they make some predictions based on those lines, the absorption, and then they look at observations, and then they look for the difference, and they find that there's a big difference, and that they say is due to something called the H2O continuum. Well, you ask, what is the H2O continuum due to? And no one seems to know. So when you ask, uh, is this well understood? No, it's not. I think the problem in this field is people have not said, make some predictions. What are the observations? Is there agreement between the model and the observations? And sometimes these models just have failed abysmally. Uh, that doesn't mean the modelers are, are dumb folks, but it's just a very difficult thing sometimes to model. The climate is not simple to model. Oh dear, uh, that sounded disquietingly like real science, the kind you might study at college and fail. And there's no doubt we lay people need to try to keep up to speed on that and all kinds of other scientific subjects, partly to be informed citizens on important policy issues and partly just to be well-rounded. But part of understanding science is understanding where the complexities lie and not getting browbeaten, especially by people who aren't scientists or won't admit science is complex, into believing it's so simple a child can explain it with a crayon. That's not true of economics. It's not true of foreign policy. It's not true of how our system of government works, or all sorts of other things we want to understand in order to make informed decisions. And it's not true of climate science. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. Thanks for watching our fact check video on the simple physics slogan, and we'll see you next time.